Hey podcasters, this is Sherry, and this week we are going to talk about uh, women's heart health. As you know, February is Heart Health Month, and we are continuing our series. Today we are super excited because we are talking all about women's heart health. So thank you for joining us. We're going to start first off by saying thank you, thank you for some feedback from one of our listeners, Jackie and Raymond for giving us some feedback from one of our podcasts on New Year's resolutions and exercise and moving. She said, love listening to your Mercy One podcast. So many different subjects that obtain to everyday life. So many great ideas. My friends and I hold each other accountable for showing up each week to class and move. Thanks for making us motivated. Podcasts are great. So just wanted to say and give a shout out to Jackie. We got some great feedback today from the podcast, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Want to give a shout out to Kelsey in New Hampton. Thank you for giving us uh, the feedback. She said, love the podcast about preparing for baby part one. Can't wait to hear the next one to continue learning about it. She is currently 35 weeks with baby number three, but it's still nice to learn and hear all about things to expect, even though she's went through it many times already. So thanks, Kelsey, out in New Hampton, Iowa. Appreciate your feedback. Love hearing from our listeners. Um, And if you have any questions or if you have some feedback from us on any of the podcasts, we would love to hear from you. We have a lot of helpers across the Mercy One organization, and today we are going to throw it out to Tessa to take over the Women's Heart Health podcast. So take it away, Tessa. Thanks, guys. Today we're here with Dr. Denicia Hagu, a cardiologist with Mercy One North Iowa Medical Center. Doctor, can you kick us off today with some general information women should know about their heart health? Hello. Uh, Yes. First of all, I want to say thank you for having me. And second of all, we should do this more often. We always remember about women in February, and that's about it because we don't have time for ourselves, and that's one of the biggest problems in heart disease in women specifically, that they always think about the other ones and not have time for themselves. Uh, Women should know that heart disease is 10 times deadlier than most, um, uh, especially than breast cancers, but is even deadlier than most cancers combined. And there's nothing wrong with screening for cancer. Of course, it is is advisable to do that, but we should be equally as driven and uh, being focused on screening uh, for heart disease in women as well, because it's the leading cause of death equally for men and women. As many of you may know, there's ma- there are many risk factors that contribute to heart disease, and I just want to be clear about what heart disease we're discussing today. Uh, we're particularly focusing on coronary heart disease or coronary artery disease, which means that over time, the coronary arteries, which are the main arteries uh, feeding the heart muscle with blood, can have a plaque buildup called atherosclerosis and think about it as a pipe that clogs off with dirt and won't let the water flow through the pipe. The same thing goes for the arteries. They clog off with the plaque, uh, impairing the blood flow to the heart and then you uh, may have symptoms and potentially heart attack. So this is the heart disease that we're focusing on today. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, it's perceived that men are more likely to have heart disease than women. Can you speak on that a little bit? Is that true? Are they just as likely to have heart disease? Or Can you kind of speak on to that, doctor? So men are more likely to have earlier heart disease than women. And when I mean earlier, I mean about 40, 45 years old. 
And in general, women were protected around that age because um, the menopause happens later. Once women hit menopause, the protection from estrogen uh, goes away, so that's one of the risk factors for heart disease. Uh, however, this changed lately. So we're seeing more and more younger women, 35 to 45 years old, having significant coronary heart disease coming in with myocardial infarction, coming in with a heart attack, um, more so than in the past, uh, than, than let's say 10 years ago. So it's a false perception that men have it more. Women have it as well. It's just harder to recognize it. All right. And is one of the reasons why it's hard to identify if women is going to have a heart disease or have heart disease because the symptoms are a little bit different than men and women. Can you kind of talk a little bit about the different symptoms a woman may have versus a man? Definitely. So there are a few differences um, and I need to a little bit break it down specifically a few differences when someone has an acute event, meaning a heart attack, versus someone having plugging up arteries, causing symptoms because you're not having enough blood flow to the heart, but you did not have a heart attack yet. Mm-hmm. So during a heart attack, women can present still the one of the commonest presenting symptoms is chest discomfort, either heaviness, tightness, sharp pain. The difference between men and women is the how is this the the type of the pain they have. Mm -hmm. So women tend to have it more at rest and more during even sleep as opposed to men Mm -hmm. that have it mostly exertional. So Mm -hmm. for a a provider, it's very well embedded in their training that you have exertional chest pain that equals most likely coronary heart disease. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean if it doesn't come on with exertion, that's the same um, has the same uh, effect. So women may have it at rest, may have it during sleep. They commonly present with just uh, drenching sweats, sudden onset, severe fatigue. When I mean severe fatigue is you cannot go from your couch to the TV or to from the couch to the bathroom because you're significantly tired. You cannot lift up your arm. You just so feel tired, tired. Mm-hmm. And they may you may not have any other signs, just this acute severe fatigue. I had a few women coming in with elbow pain and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Severe elbow pain, nothing else but just not feeling well, elbow pain, EKG in the emergency room showing acute heart attack. Wow. So um, very other signs that you need to worry about and know about is jaw pain or neck pain. This is very, very specific for being uh, from the heart, the pain coming mm-hmm. from the heart. So that can be another presenting sign. Hmm. Of course, shortness of breath is a big one. You just cannot catch your breath. You're very tired, very short of breath. So that's for the acute event. For 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 you having underlying heart disease, but you didn't have a heart attack yet, mm-hmm. women, again, may present just being more tired. I, could, I couldn't do the things that I could do two months ago. It mm-hmm. takes you... I'm out of breath going up a flight of stairs, which wasn't the case before. Not having any chest tightness, but just not feeling well. I'm I'm tired. Sometimes breaking out in sweat. So yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wouldn't associate being tired and neck pain to have anything to do with your heart. But that's mm-hmm. really interesting that it does. So let's say a woman starts feeling neck pain and she's tired all the time. Just know something's not right. Is the first um, first action they should take to see a cardiologist or your family doctor or 
So depending depending on the acuteness of situation, if it's a significant change from a minute to the other minute, that mm-hmm. may be a sign of a heart attack. Okay. In that situation, you absolutely should call 911. Mm-hmm. Not to drive yourself to the emergency room, mm-hmm. not to get your uh, friend or someone to drive you, because if you do have an acute heart attack, you can mm-hmm. have an, a significant life-threatening arrhythmia that can happen. Oh. So you should not be driving in that situation. Mm-hmm. If it's something that comes on more progressively on over a week or two or four or two months, then definitely mm-hmm. first is always good to see the primary doctor because they do the basic workup. They make sure you're not anemic or something else that mm-hmm. can definitely present similarly. Mm-hmm. And then, and then of course, uh, they'll refer you to see one of our um, colleagues. Very good. Mm-hmm. So you said that um, the number, the age of heart attacks and heart disease is rising between ages 30 and 45. Mm-hmm. 35 and 45. 35 mm-hmm. and 45. So how can a woman be more proactive so they don't find themselves in the situation where they're having a heart attack? Excellent or question. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to know more about that. Wonderful question. So why this happens earlier in women um, has to do with lifestyle. We see that younger women smoke more than previously Mm -hmm. so that's one of the of course biggest problems uh smoking and then you may have coronary heart disease earlier Mm -hmm. than a postmenopause another problem is um over time because of our lifestyles or busy schedules or our work the children uh we don't have time to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. subsequently we will eat poorly Mm -hmm. we will not exercise enough Mm-hmm. and we will gain weight. So gaining weight is not a cosmetic issue for women. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest problem I see. The perception of gaining weight is not about you getting into a size five, six, whatever genes. Mm-hmm. Is that that can cause you to have heart disease if you do not act upon it. It will catch up with you. Mm-hmm. So 20 pounds heavier right now after high school, fine. But the second you go into your 30s, those 20 pounds, 40 pounds catch up with you because you develop the problems of Mm -hmm. high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. high cholesterol, Mm -hmm. in certain situations, diabetes, which is the type 2, secondary to overweight or obesity. And these are the main risk factors of causing you to have coronary heart disease Mm -hmm. and heart attack. So the way to prevent that is starting very early. Mm-hmm. should start very early and try to be more uh, mindful about the lifestyle as well as about the screening. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know about it, you won't know what to fix. Sure. Everybody sees the weight, but mm-hmm. then no one really checks, not no one, but most of us don't check about the consequences. Mm-hmm. Do I have a high blood pressure? When was someone, one of your friends of 30 year old checked their blood pressure unless, you know, mm-hmm. what, did anyone check your cholesterol in the last year? Mm-hmm. If you don't check it, you won't be able to act on it, either mm-hmm. with lifestyle changes or in certain situation medications. And one of the first things that you said was <laughs> younger women are starting to smoke earlier. Mm-hmm. So vaping, I'd really like to hear, does that have anything to do with heart attack, heart disease? Um, vaping now has become the common in high school, high school students and college students and just a younger demographic. Do you see any correlation with that in heart disease or heart attack? Definitely. They, there have been studies um, about vaping, but mostly uh, reporting significant lung impairment. 
it used to be that it's be- more it's better than the actual nicotine or smoking the actual mm-hmm. cigarette but not any longer no it's completely detrimental as well mm-hmm. you, we need more studies to to demonstrate that uh, mm-hmm. association but it's uh, we don't recommend it so for sure. smoking cessation we don't recommend absolutely doing vaping we do recommend uh, other approaches like nicotine replacements or uh, or other um, aids in helping a smoking cessation so not not uh, it increases the risk definitely mm-hmm. so like you said um, heart disease and heart attack is 100% preventable if you take care of yourself not quite 100% so 100% preventable if um, it's a um, it's due to lifestyle approach or changes however if you have a genetic predisposition or you have significant family history of early coronary artery disease mm-hmm. when we mean early we mean for men less than 50, 55 years old, and for women less than 65. Mm-hmm. Let's say your grandparents had a heart attack in their 70s. That doesn't count against you mm-hmm. for for family history. But there are certain genes, like 60, 60 to 100 different genes contributing to having mm-hmm. coronary disease. And if you have that inheritance, um, you can. the best you could do is do everything you can to have a beautiful great lifestyle Mm -hmm. and unfortunately you may still end up having an event later on in life good news is if you do have a a, a very good control on the risk factors you can push that event later as opposed Mm -hmm. to in your 40s you can push in your late 60s 70s or maybe you know maybe even Mm -hmm. later if you do everything you can to decrease the risk factors And then can you talk a little bit about the treatment if someone were to come Mm -hmm. in and they have heart disease? um, Is it different, the treatment plan different for men versus women? Are they the same? Can you kind of talk Mm -hmm. on what a doctor or cardiologist may recommend? Definitely. So uh, treatment is exactly the same depending on what we're dealing with. So let's say acute heart attack treatment obviously needs to be hospitalized. Uh, We are having our um, depending on there are two types of heart attack. One type of a heart attack needs immediate attention to go to the uh, angiogram lab at, where they can open up the blocked artery because this type of a heart attack called a STEMI or ST elevation myocardial infarction means that your one of your blood vessels is completely 100% occluded. And this requires immediate intervention we usually have a set time, we call it door to balloon time, has to be within 90 minutes if, if, if coming from the emergency room. The other type of more common heart attack is you, you do come in with worsening symptoms, either chest mm-hmm. tightness or shortness of breath, and we check some blood work enzymes in the blood called troponins, which get mm-hmm. secreted and elevated in acute uh, situation. That type of a heart attack, we have a little more time to treat. We do start uh, blood thinners, IV, and oral um, agents, and eventually, within usually 48 hours, go to the cath lab and have um, what we call a coronary angiogram. When we look at the blood vessels, see where the blockage is, try to fix it with a stent, which is a little metal spring, and open up the Mm -hmm. artery. This is the acute heart attack. For for women who are... um, not having a heart attack, but are are having symptoms of chest tightness, just feeling tired, uh, other symptoms suggesting that uh, may have um, coronary heart disease, which is mm-hmm. stable, we usually recommend a few things. Of course, we always try to focus on lifestyle um, changes. Uh, we uh, 
to diagnose it, we usually recommend some form of a stress test. Stress test means we're trying to stress the heart, uh, raise the heart rate, usually via a treadmill, and uh, see whether there's any indication of you having narrowed arteries, meaning you're not getting enough blood flow to parts of the heart during stress that would suggest a narrowed artery or coronary artery disease. But that's different from the acute heart attack. So when, let's say, we recommend a stress test, we also focus on the blood pressure, on the cholesterol. Is, are you a diabetic? Do we need to start a baby aspirin? There's all this controversy with the aspirin lately. Yeah. Uh, do we need to start the cholesterol <laughs> medication? Um, and, and so on and so forth. So that's a little different compared to the acute situation, but warrants equal as much attention. So can you kind of talk a little bit about the aspirin, <laughs> the, pros and con- the pros and cons to that? And we'd like to learn a little bit more about that. Definitely. So for aspirin, unfortunately, there have been a, a few studies lately not giving it a good name. But that was done, those studies were done for people not having any heart disease or any history of stroke or or any any suggestion of any diagnosed disease so they were done for the people who may need it for preventing Mm -hmm. the heart disease but it got to the point that people who had a bypass surgery people who had a heart attack they had stents even within the year would call our office telling us they saw this on tv and they stopped their aspirin without talking to anyone so the the media, unfortunately, didn't do a good job about distinguishing between someone who has a known heart disease, had a significant event, you had open heart surgery needing bypass grafts, you should not be discontinuing your aspirin forever and ever. The same goes with someone who had a heart attack or a stroke sure. or a blood clot. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. So sure. for us right now to prescribe or recommend an aspirin to prevent heart disease Mm -hmm. we do it less than before but let's say someone comes in with concern for chest pain and we are considering strongly that you may have a coronary heart disease Mm -hmm. we would definitely start aspirin and get more evaluation get the testing done Mm -hmm. and if that turns out to be completely negative may discontinue it later. Sure. But you should not, if your doctor tells you to take aspirin, you should not stop it on your own. Absolutely not, especially if you had a known, and most people know if they had a known heart disease, they absolutely should not discontinue it. Unless bleeding, of course. Unless it's any bleeding, that's a different story. But for just because they heard that's not good anymore, Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. That's easy for people to do. They see something on the media and they're like, oh gosh, got to stop it. But you always want to consult your primary care provider, doctor, before you do that. Doctor, can we talk a little bit about what women can do to prevent some of these, um, what they can do to have a better lifestyle Mm -hmm. to maybe prevent having Mm -hmm. heart disease or a heart attack in the future? Definitely. It's easier said than done. And I can guarantee you, most of us know what we have to do. We just have Mm -hmm. to do it. So first big problem is, of course, everybody has to eat to live. So what we're eating It's Mm -hmm. very simple to just get the easiest thing down the shelf and eat it. We have to be more more aware Mm -hmm. of what we're eating. Decrease those bad fats. We call them saturated fats, the red meat, the significant Mm -hmm. um, uh, foods that have high fat content along with high sugar. And and one of the biggest problems is very high salt. Mm -hmm. 
all the takeout food, the fast food, the restaurants, they have significant uh, high sodium content. And that goes also for the, uh, the sugary drinks that have significant high sodium and sugar content. Mm-hmm. So easy things to do is eliminate the non-watery drinks, meaning the, the, mm-hmm. the pops. Um, try to have more fresh fruits and vegetables, easier mm-hmm. said than done again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's more expensive to eat healthy. Yeah. It takes longer time to cook something. Mm-hmm. So always we go to the easiest thing because we don't have time for better. Mm-hmm. This should come as stepwise for the entire family. Because if mm-hmm. you have children, if they learn how to eat better younger, it will be much easier for them down the road. For us, because we're getting to the age that we may uh, have risk factors and developing a higher cholesterol, high blood pressure. Of course, we have to change that. Mm-hmm. So we won't have heart disease in the next 10 years. And inactivity is one of the second biggest problems. So we mm-hmm. have to eat something. Then we have to look at what we eat. We have to look at what we drink. Mm-hmm. Then we are working. Many of us have desk jobs. Many of us are uh, having arthritis. Uh, I'm talking about the, not the elderly population, but middle mm-hmm. age. Once you get overweight and you have significant arthritis, it's so difficult to start doing anything. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's impossible. Mm-hmm. We have to have a set time to do something. Easiest thing to do is walking. Doesn't cost anything. Problem is we live in Iowa. Yes, <laughs> I know, minus something degrees outside, horrible. But we can find some indoors. If we don't have the means of going to the Y and walk around there or try to mm-hmm. do an stationary bike if there's arthritis involved, we can always go to one of the grocery stores and just keep walking around and around and try to get some activity and easiest is walking Mm -hmm. of course the guidelines recommend 30 to 45 minutes of uh, brisk walking at least Mm -hmm. five times a week that would be the minimum uh, to prevent Mm -hmm. heart disease these are the things that we could do but the other things would be also to look for already if you have high cholesterol Mm -hmm. once a year it's not difficult you can do it as a wellness Mm -hmm. it doesn't cost too much or the primary care provider can prescribe it, you can check on the cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You can always check on the blood pressure on a drugstore. Drug you go and, yeah. you know, buy things, you check on your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, always, uh, when, once you do get the blood work, they always look at the sugar as well. So if mm-hmm. that's elevated, if there's any uh, concern about diabetes, they can test you more and see whether there's diabetes involved. And mm-hmm. once you know there's a problem, mm-hmm. the most important thing is try to treat that. Mm-hmm. It's always much better to do the lifestyle changes, but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes losing 50 pounds takes a longer time, so we mm-hmm. should not be waiting to treat the high blood pressure mm-hmm. for a six months to a year because then you get the adverse effects. The same mm-hmm. goes with the high cholesterol and diabetes. No one likes medications. I don't like to take medications, mm-hmm. but once you understand how important it is to treat what's going on mm-hmm. people then usually are are more um willing to do to do the mm-hmm. medical therapy in addition to the lifestyle changes that's really interesting and just to get a little personal here i actually have um high blood pressure there and i've had go. it yeah and i've had it um since i was in high school mm-hmm. always went and got physicals saw doctors after college i did a bunch of sleep tests and try to rule out anything and I still Mm -hmm. yeah I must just have it in my genetics that I have high blood pressure but um I was the same way too I did not want to be on a blood pressure medication I'm like I am way too young to be on a blood like I don't want to do it my doctor's like 
you have to. I mean, I was exercising, you know, I eat relatively healthy, couldn't figure it out, but it's just something that I had. So sometimes you just have to take a blood pressure medication or whatever it is just to stay healthy. Um, doctor, is there any correlation between high um, heart disease and heart attack with alcohol at all? Definitely. I would like to learn a little bit more yes. about that. Yes, so it's a clear uh, correlation with excessive alcohol uh, okay. intake uh, raises the risk of both coronary heart disease and heart attacks, mm -hmm. as well as cardiomyopathies, which we haven't discussed today, but those are the problems involving the muscle of the heart and the mm -hmm. squeeze, the strength of the heart, so how, mm -hmm. how strong the heart is squeezes. The more alcohol you drink, the, you may have uh, the less of a heart function, having congestive heart failure, mm -hmm. but also increases definitely the risk of coronary heart disease and heart attacks. Mm -hmm. So that's important to limit um, excessive alcohol, which we haven't discussed today, excessive uh, younger people tend to get more energy drinks. Um, those are also detrimental. They have high caffeine intake, which um, in turn can cause you to have problems with the electricity of the heart, mm -hmm. having arrhythmias, palpitations, uh, PVCs, extra beats. Um, very, very common in the younger women, I've noticed, including mm -hmm. some of our very young, like in the you know, 19, 20 mm -hmm. year olds. Yeah, energy drinks are really popular, and people have a couple of them a day, and I'm mm -hmm. like, whew. So no energy drinks. A lot of the Gatorades, they have lots of sugar. What do you recommend drinking for an alternate um, to maybe just water if you want something with a little bit of flavor? Tea, 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 tea and water, and really just maybe flavored water, the, sure. those, those that don't have sugar. But really your best bet would be tea and water. Mm -hmm. All the rest have some additive uh, uh, sugar or um, sodium, high sodium. And I want to start being more healthier today. What are a few easy things that I could start substituting in the kitchen mm -hmm. just to start improving my diet a little bit um, to not just lose weight but to be healthier and um, reduce risk? So it, the easiest substitution is the meat. The, the red meat, because we live in Iowa, there's lots of farms, and I understand that. I grew up on a farm, but we did not eat meat every day. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to change the red meat to a, to a chicken or a turkey, mm -hmm. uh, fish, and also try not to have it every single day. Sure. That would be the first thing that, that's mm -hmm. very easy to change. The second thing would be, I don't know if you, it's because it's very specific to each family. I don't know, the families who love bread. It's very hard to change from that mm -hmm. because it's such a important part of the life uh, when you grow up with bread to change it to a complete whole grain bread. So mm -hmm. carbs are not bad as long as they are whole grain. Okay. They're actually mm -hmm. very nutritious. So try, try to change to whole grain pasta, whole grain mm -hmm. bread as opposed to the white pasta, white bread. Sure. So we do live in Iowa, and us Iowans love our red meat. So is it okay to have red meat maybe like once or twice a week, just not every day, or what's... The best, the best. The, I know it's hard, but the best would be once every couple of weeks. That oh, would wow. be the best, yes. And just imagine many, many of us do once a day. So that's excessive, excessive high fat, and that increases your cholesterol. That is good to know. I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful now that I know that. Um, something that I do to, you know, try to not have red meat every day is we just put chicken in the crock pot and we just have that ready to go at night and that's really easy and yes. simple and it's yes. good. You can make chicken tacos. You can make a lot of different dishes right. from just having some yes. chicken breast or chicken thighs in the crock pot. 
We always forget about the beans, the lentils, the beans, the mm. chickpeas. Those are very high in protein and they sure. keep you full. So always a great mm. uh, thing that you can cook in the crock pot as well. Yeah. Green beans are a wonderful uh, source of uh, vitamins mm-hmm. and minerals too. And whatever you find in the vegetable aisle mm-hmm. and everything is good. Mm-hmm. As long as you try to find it on the internet yeah i would go on the internet and try mm-hmm. recipes and the simpler the better because mm-hmm. the faster it takes you to cook it the better will stick for your family yeah. and for you to mm-hmm. to keep doing it yeah and i think that's just what's kind of hard today the lifestyle that we all live it's very fast-paced and we want what's convenient we want things that are affordable well the more expensive you know the better the food the more expensive it is Correct. the better it is for you the longer it takes yes. to make so maybe yes. just finding some of those easy substitutions can help us mm-hmm. become healthier and i know i sit in a desk most of the day too so maybe just getting up once or twice and walking around and like you Definitely. said going to a store and walking around that's a great idea going to a store if you don't have joint tissues you could do squats anything small things mm-hmm. around the desk whoever has desk job is very important to get up and move at least every two hours oh, yeah. um because it's uh, just detrimental to your circulation mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as well as uh, overall health Doctor, another factor in having a heart attack or a heart heart disease is um, being stressed. And as you kind of talked about, women are stressed with working a full-time job, taking care of the kids, the house, everything that comes with being a mom or a wife. So can you just kind of talk about how stress kind of plays into that heart disease um, and could be a potential for a heart attack? Definitely. Um, The more risk for heart attack is the mental stress, the one that's actually associated with anxiety and depression. So Mm -hmm. it's the little more uh, severe form of um, stress that we are uh, meaning when we mean stress is the mental Mm -hmm. stress, uh, which of course comes from many different reasons. And it's very important to be treated for that. So many women and men are ashamed of saying anything to their provider, the Mm -hmm. primary provider in fear of trying a new medication or they don't have a good understanding of what's going on and they will hide that so the mental stress going untreated for a while causes stress on the heart arteries Mm -hmm. because if you have if you have that you're also you will suffer the lifestyle changes too you are more prone to not do anything you're more prone to not socialize which is Mm -hmm. detrimental you're more prone to eat poorly and sleep poorly and all of Mm -hmm. these increase your risk of heart disease so mm-hmm. the stress that you refer to with being so busy it also ha- has implications to the fact that we're literally not taking one minute to think about our well-being and our health to take that 20 minutes or half an hour of walking and mm-hmm. have the kids washed by someone else mm-hmm. for that half an hour of while you're walking and take time for yourself as a person to to decompress Mm-hmm. that decreases the mental stress as well as increases your physical fitness and giving you mm-hmm. more activity so you have two birds in one stone you're mm-hmm. exercising and you're decompressing and decreases your mental stress that's a great point do you recommend meditation to maybe Definitely. just taking yeah. 30 minutes every morning or even long. even no, 10 minutes <laughs> yeah even i know we minutes. wish even <laughs> Even five minutes, even just taking a break in five minutes and break that cycle of the brain that's constantly, constantly Mm -hmm. moving to not letting you stop for a second. Mm -hmm. The only way to break that is try to meditate or try to completely switch off and and let the brain also recover. 
Yeah. And if you're in an office or, you know, working your full-time job, even just getting out for lunch, I sometimes I think just helps me break up the day, just getting some fresh air. That's so important. Especially when the weather is better. That's one of the best Mm -hmm. things you could do Mm -hmm. Uh, to go outside for a walk, have a little vitamin D, Mm -hmm. put the sunscreen on your face, but walk (laughs) a little bit and, um, yes, get some fresh air and walk. That's, that's one of the best thing you can do. Doctor, is there anything else that you want to say today before we take off? Yes. Please. Please quit smoking. Whoever quit smoke, whoever smokes, please quit smoking. And another thing I want to say is, um, for some reason, people don't understand the benefit of preventive care. So let's say the primary doctor uh, referred them to me for some concern of a symptom, and uh, luckily they end up having no significant not concerning disease, but I find different risk factors. I find high blood pressure. I have uh, maybe I find that they have high cholesterol or diabetes that warrants treatment, warrants follow-up, warrants intervention. Otherwise, they will develop the heart disease. And many, many patients have the perception, no, I don't have anything. I don't need to see even my doctor. It turns out I don't have anything. Not true you still have risk factors that over time will have caused you to have heart disease. So very important education for, for the general public that preventive health is much better mm-hmm. than the actual treating already the disease that happened mm-hmm. because we didn't prevent it. Yeah, and I know some people too, they're so busy. It's like, oh, to go to a doctor's appointment or to take that time away from work. But um, being proactive will reduce the amount of time that you're going to be at the doctor's office anyway, taking tests right. when you're when you, in a couple months or years anyway. So yeah, I think that's a great point. All right. Well, thank you so much, doctor, for joining us today and educating us on women's health. Thanks a lot, Tessa. I know I learned a lot about women's heart health. It affects us all. So we all need to learn from it. It was great information. And, you know, podcasters, you listeners out there, don't forget, we'd love to hear feedback from you after you've listened to this podcast or any other of the podcasts that we've had out there. Please contact us. We have two ways of uh, getting a hold of us on our website at mercyone.org slash podcast or email us at podcast at mercyhealth.com. As always, we love to hear back from you. And I know we're going to get some good feedback on this one. This was great information. So, don't forget, guys, we're, we're here for you. And as always, live your best life.